in the book of Acts chapter 1, and if you don't have it, I'll just read it to you. It's about a man named Saul who was a zealot who was so fierce against Christians that he was killing them. In fact, just earlier from Acts chapter 9, he was at the stoning of a deacon, and the people came and dropped the, 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 the clothes of that dead deacon at his feet, and he gloried in it. He hated believers. He hated Christians, all in the name of Judaism and of God. His name was Saul. And so in Acts chapter 9 and verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Hmm. Breathing out murderous threats against the disciples. He went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogue of Damascus so that he, if he found any who were there along the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he was near Damascus on his journey, suddenly, everyone say suddenly, suddenly, a light from heaven flashed all around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Father, I just pray your anointing upon this word. And we certainly right now, God, want to encounter you. We want to encounter you, God. In Jesus' name, bless us. Amen. Saul which means great. He was breathing out what he knew how to do. Remember those days when you were in the world? You knew how to do what you did. You were good at it. Some of you did drugs. Others, other people didn't do that. You did other lifestyles. You'd, some of you liked to, to, to hang around the boys and whatever it was that you did in the world, you did well. Here's a man who did what he did very well. And what he did was persecute Christians. He hated the church and he hated the disciples. He hated it so much that he was breathing. The word of God says Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. You know, you ever heard the term, uh, man, that guy lives and breathes the giants. That guy lives and breathes the Right. That's what that means. That's what that means. In fact, it means this, that meanwhile, while Saul was still living and breathing hatred towards the people of God, he was angry. He hated them. His heart was filled with attitude. His heart, his heart was filled with anger. And then one day he heard that in Damascus, Christians were kind of hiding out. In fact, because of persecution, they had to change, they kind of changed the name of Christians to people on the way. Now, in the 70s, we used to, I don't know if you remember this, Rini, but you bought me a Bible in the 70s. I was probably 10 or 11 years old, and it was called the Way Bible. It was the coolest thing in the world. It had a little Volkswagen in the front of the cover. Well, the girl was short, short skirt, so I kind of caught my attention anyways, right? So it was called the Way Bible people on the way. So they kind of had to disguise themselves. They had to disguise themselves, and they were going to Damascus. And in fact, if you read up on the Christians of Damascus, it says they were in peace. They were content. 
They were happy people. They were like kind of being quiet about their conversion because they didn't want to die. And they found a community in Damascus that was peaceful. And so they call themselves people on the way. And by the way, you cannot get to heaven unless you find out the way to heaven. And Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, Jesus said. So these people started calling themselves the way. And then so Paul says, I'm going to go to Damascus. And if I find anybody on the way there, I'm going to kill them and bring them back. I'm going to capture them rather and bring them back to the high priest. The way. Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus. So he's on this journey. He's on this journey. And all of a sudden, something stops him. I don't know when that day of encounter was for you. I don't know when that day of encounter was for you. And it's hard to predict that because when we reach souls, one thing I know about your pastor, he loves reaching souls. And sometimes you got to reach people not just once but a few times before they have that encounter. We don't want to get people in love with a building or an organization. We don't want to get people to be in love with Christian Worship Center, not even Victory Outreach or Church of the Cross Church. We want people to fall in love with the one who saved their soul, Jesus Christ. We want them to have an encounter. The Apostle Paul, or Saul rather, was on the way to Damascus. And all of a sudden, a beautiful light hit him and stopped him. It was that suddenly moment when it seems like nothing makes sense anymore. I love what Pastor Josh said when he was he grew up in the Bay Area. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he found himself in Manteca. What was in Manteca? Well, I was. Now, I had that moment, too. What am I doing in Manteca? Right? Being from San Jose, I was like, Manteca, why, why there, God? I mean, I, I loved East San Jose. I loved it there. That was my audio. I loved it. I went to San Jose High School. Come on. <laughs> Santa Clara. <laughs> Uh-oh, sorry. Yeah, I grew up in Sorry King. But I, I kind of played both ways, Pastor Seven. I, I had a, a Camaro that I restored that I had. A, it was hot rod, but I lowered it. So I would cruise in Story and King and then go down to First Street and cruise with the Hot Rodders. So I kind of played both, played both sides. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> There's that, that suddenly moment where nothing makes sense anymore. It's like, why am I at this place right now? What does life mean? Why am I here? It's like a suddenly happens and all of a sudden, everything changes when a suddenly of God takes place. It's like you're walking your way, walking your way, and something suddenly stops you. Suddenly stops you, and all of a sudden, you're forced to ponder, what's my life worth? What am I doing here? What is this all about? Why am I living the way I'm living? 
It's like you're marching and marching, going your own way, spewing out the hatred, spewing out you, doing what you do best, and all of a sudden, something stops you in your tracks, and you all of a sudden have to look up and say, what? What, what is this? It might have been at a shotgun play. It might have been at a Duke of Earl. It might have been on the street when somebody met you there, but all of a sudden everything stopped and everything happened at that moment. It's like your life went so fast, but then stopped at that moment. An encounter. God encounter. Listen, I grew up in the pew. I'm a pew baby. I grew up in the church, an Assembly of God church, my whole life. I didn't serve God all my life, but I grew up in the church. I know what it's like to even play church. I know what it's like to even play pastor. But I'm telling you, this word encounter, if you haven't had one yet, well, then you're going to have one this morning. But listen to me. If you have had an encounter, if you've had an encounter and you're a believer, guess what? God's ready to have another encounter with you. God's ready to do it again and again and again. Mm. And suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell. I don't care how bad you are in the presence of God, you can't stand. And one day, the Bible says, every knee shall bow. Even Isis. Even their knees going to bow. And their tongues are going to confess. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Interesting that Jesus said, why do you persecute me? He wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting Christians. When you talk about the body of Christ, you're talking about Christ. When you murmur against your pastor, you're murmuring against God. When you whine and complain about Victory Outreach or Church of the Cross or Christian Worship Center, it's not, you know, this is going on there and that, you know, why do they got to do it like this? Or why does pastor have to be this way? I don't like when they do that. Listen, when you start murmuring and complaining and gossiping about the church, you're doing it as unto God. He didn't say, Jesus didn't say, Saul, why are you killing Christians? He said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, he calls us his bride, right? I've done plenty of wedding ceremonies. And I always tell young, young uh, couples when they're about to get married, listen, you're now no longer going to be an individual. And it's not going to be one, two, three. It's now one. You've got to be one now. Well, Jesus looks at his bride and he says, we are one. We are one. So Saul persecuting the church. Jesus stops him in his track and he says, why are you hurting me? I've murmured against the church. I've complained against the pastor. I've complained about my people. I tell my church all the time. And those of you here with me know what I'm talking about. I say, you're all dysfunctional. It's just the truth. You're all dysfunctional, all of you. But I'm dysfunctional too, so we're all, we, we're a good match, my church. 
me and my church are a good match. But one thing we don't have that's or that we have that's not dysfunctional is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not dysfunctional. Right? He's not dysfunctional. Jesus is so good. He looks at our infirmities and he looks at us and he doesn't judge us or cast us off. Even when we're talking about each other, even when we're talking about the church, even when we don't feel like being Christian, even when we don't feel like serving God, he doesn't walk away from us. He doesn't walk away from me when I don't feel like a Christian, when I don't feel like serving him, when I don't sense his presence or even want his presence. He doesn't walk away from me. He's right there. He's right there. He's right there. I don't care what you've been going through. Maybe you've been going through a tough season. Maybe depression has been trying to creep on your life. Maybe you've been dead spiritually. Well, listen to me. God has an encounter waiting for you. God has an encounter prepared for you where you will meet him. Before the encounter, Saul's name was or Saul's name was Saul, which means great. You know what's crazy? <laughs> After the encounter, God changed his name to Paul, which means puny. I don't get God sometimes. What do you mean to be first, I have to be last? I don't get that. What do you mean if, if I want to increase, I have to first decrease? That does not make sense. But then again, I serve a God who walked on water. That doesn't make sense either. I serve a God who came into this world by way of a virgin. That doesn't make sense either. Come on, somebody. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But thank God they're not. Because if he was anything like us, we'd all be in trouble. He's a good God, and his ways are higher than mine. His ways are higher than yours. His ways are all good and no bad, and he loves you today. God loves you today. Oh, my brother, my sister, he wants to encounter you just like that first encounter. He went from being great to being nothing. But there's something about the nothingness of God. Oh, let me tell you something. When you encounter God and all of a sudden he brings you to nothing, and he brings you to that place because you know that it's not you anymore that matters. It's not what you're spewing out of your mouth anymore. Remember, Saul was breathing out that hatred. Remember that? But after the encounter, it wasn't his breath that he was worried about anymore. It wasn't his breath he was worried about anymore. He was now concerned about the breath of God. He wanted that face-to-face -face experience, that Coram Deo. That Coram Deo is Latin for, for the breath of God. You see, he wanted to be so close that he can feel God's breath on his face. Listen to me. God wants to be that close to you.
Because when he's that close to you, he tells you things. He can whisper things. Samuel had that kind of relationship with God. God would whisper things in his ear, and he would say to him, Son, it's going to be okay. Son, don't worry about it. I love talking to my daughter. When I grab her, she's so tiny. And I always whisper into her ear, I love you, baby. And she'll say always, I love you too, Dada. She's 27 years old, still calls me Dada. And now I grab her daughter, one and a half years old. Before I put her down, I tell her, I love you, baby. And she doesn't say I love you back yet, but she'll kiss me. When I get Josh's children around me, the four of them, the biggest one, we just sent to college, and we're all mourning over that. He's in across the country right now, but all four of them, when I hug them and I whisper in their ear, I tell them, I love you, babe. And they tell me back, I love you, Paca. That's, that's that closeness that God wants to have with you. Being in love with an institution or a church will only take you so far. That's exactly what Pastor Esteban was talking about when he came to CWC. You got to encounter God. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. And I just really feel like that's a word for somebody here right now. God's waiting for you. You might have been saved for a long time, but God's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. I think it's crazy that once Paul had an encounter, he went blind for three days because he had to stop seeing things his way. He had to stop seeing things his way. And God needed him to see things his way. His way. H, capital H. His way. So God stroke, stricken, uh, had him stricken with blindness for three days. And if you can't see for three days, what are you going to do? You're going to depend on others. And you're going to be in darkness. So all you can do is hear. All you can do is hear, and God was close to him. Oh, God was doing something amazing in him. Remember, this is the same one who was killing Christians. But God encountered him. God encountered him. And he had this awakening. I, as, as we were coming down, Z was driving me down, and we were following our motorcycle ministry down, and he asked me a question. He said, Bishop, what what, what uh what do you be what are you careful for? And what will take you down? And I said, you know, the one thing that would take me down if I'm not careful, it's depression. Depression. And I said that to him, just kind of he asked me. He's an intern and he asked me, and he'll be a minister soon. And by the way, he's got an album coming out in two weeks, right? Come on now. <laughs> We're doing an opening concert at our church. I battled depression. As a pastor, I battled depression. So much so, it took me out of the church for about six months. I thought I was going to die. The enemy had me so convinced, so convinced that my daughter and my wife would visit me at an institution on the weekends. My associates, Josh and others, they were, they were pastoring the church. Our San Jose pastor, Pastor Dan, who was in San Jose, was with me at that time. He was 
leading. But this depression, I had no idea what it was. All I knew was that I was sick, very sick. And the doctors even told me, there's nothing wrong with you physically. It's all right here. There's something wrong with you in your mind. And I'm pastoring this great church, but all of a sudden I was detached from them. And I thought I was going to die. At the very least, I thought my family would visit me in the institution on the weekends. And I was ready for that, prepared for that. And then one day, as I was at home, kind of closed myself off from everything, the Lord spoke a word in my ear. He said, I will keep you in perfect peace if your mind has stayed on me. You've had your mind on too many different things, Steve. Focus your mind on me, and I will give you perfect peace. So every day, every day, I would pull out Isaiah 26.3. Every day, I kept it in my pocket, and I would walk around the block. People probably thought I was nuts because I was talking to myself the whole time. I pull out the scripture, and you will keep him in perfect peace. So I'm quoting this every day, and I want to tell you something. Every day, I started having an encounter with God. Every day, I started meeting him face to face. Every day, I can feel him talking to me. I can feel his breath on my cheek talking to me. I would have that experience with God and it was that experience that started to pull me out and so I want to say to you today maybe somebody here is experiencing that kind of depression maybe somebody here right now is experiencing a dead zone in your soul in your heart you know what I'm talking about a dead zone you haven't been awake to God in a long time but God has an appointment with you right now today at this moment God has an appointment with you and if you would just stop and allow God to encounter you. You'll never be the same. As a Christian, whoever told you that things don't happen to Christians, that everything is great once you get saved, they lied to you. They lied to you. Oh, heaven and hell, well, that's a done deal. I'm going to heaven. That's, a, that's what salvation brings you. That's a done deal. But you still have to roll up your sleeves and you have to live here on this earth. And you still got a battle. Can I get the worship team or keyboard player to come on up? If the enemy has been lying to you about anxiety, about depression, anger, bitterness or resentment, if the enemy has been trying to separate you from God. God has an encounter for you this morning.